Thank you that despite the uh, restrictions, that, Lord, your gospel is not restricted. That, Father, there is no obstacle to your Holy Spirit working in and through us. I ask, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts may be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I'm so glad that uh, you're here. I'm sure many of you are relieved to hear that um, you're starting to reopen uh, the country. And uh, there's a, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's measured relief, you may feel. You know, we've been going through this cycle up and down over, what, 18 or more months now. And, and um, you know, you, you don't want to get your hopes too high because <laughs> who knows what will happen as uh, things progress. But I'm, I'm looking forward, I'm sure many of you are looking forward to dining in, right? <laughs> Tapao just doesn't taste quite as good uh, in, in some cases. And, and certainly I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I think the deaths are troubling. Five people have lost their lives to COVID in the last seven days. And, you know, so in, in times like this, we, we want to temper our... Um, um, enthusiasm to return to life as normal. I, I know if you're anything like me, we're all tired of all these measures, but they also want to uh, proceed cautiously. And I want to say this, you know, do get vaccinated because as we've seen from the news, uh, the vast majority of those who are um, critically ill are those who have been unvaccinated and certainly those who lost their lives were not vaccinated. But nonetheless, there's no doubt we're living in troubled times. And I think the Psalms are a great resource God has given us to be able to uh, navigate the troubled times that we live in. The Psalms are really ultimately Israel's hymnal. They were the songbook in which you know, um, uh, the, the people of God in times past would offer up their praise to the Lord. They are uh, part of God's word, but ultimately you know that they are all words that are spoken to God. Right? They are um, arising to him, but in the fact that they have been recorded in the Psalms and then come back to us in the Bible, we also know that they are also God's word to us. But when you read the Psalms, you need to understand that ultimately most of the Psalms, all the Psalms are really Holy Spirit-inspired prayers. And in it, what we see is firstly praise. Today's Psalm is an example of that. What uh, uh, it, it does, you know, praise, when we offer up praise, it ultimately bridges the past to the future, right? When we praise God for His goodness and His blessings in the past, it brings a greater hope for what is to come, the future which is unknown. You know, it's, it's what praise does for us and why praise is so important, why I encourage you, although we've had all these restrictions over 18 months, sometimes I wonder when we gather back and, you know, when the restrictions all fall away, are we going to remember how to praise God in song? <laughs> I hope we do. You know, if you're at home and there are no restrictions, sing out loud. You know, if everyone looks at you and thinks you're crazy, don't care, you know. <laughs> you know, you're before the Lord and just offer up your praise. But, um, you know, that's an important aspect in terms of our uh, uh, worship and discipleship before the Lord. But also in the Psalms, you will see petition, right? When you, you cry out to God and uh, one type of petition is lament. A lament is really a fancy way of saying complain, <laughs> right? I think Singaporeans should love lament because we are so good at complaining. But the thing about lament is this. 
the Psalms deal in reality. There's a, a rawness and an authenticity. I give you an example in uh, Psalm 137 verse 1. It's a psalm that arose from the exile. You know, this has been turned into song by Boney M. Those of you of a certain vintage, you remember the song. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. This is God's word. And you know, we would uh, uh, want to echo our own lament for whatever uh, situation, you know, we, we, we uh, not by the rivers of Babylon, but by our windowsill, we look out and long to be able to go out and eat uh, Hokkien Mee from the uh, storeholder himself, you know, or whatever. I'm, I'm being silly, of course. But if you actually read this psalm, and it ends in this way, Daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done for us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. I don't know about you, <laughs> it's a bit jarring, isn't it? You know, in, in some more contemporary versions, happy is the one who takes your babies and strikes them against the rock. <laughs> That's not something you want to think about. It, it's not pleasant, but it's raw. And it expresses the real emotion that the people were going through at that point of time. It's not that God says He wants to do that. But that's what we wish would happen to our enemies. That's how uh, um, you know, um, painful the experience was for them. Don't want to dwell on this uh, too long. But ultimately, you know, what happens is that the Old Testament, the, the Psalms help us connect the Old Testament to the New. The Psalm is really the bridge in the New Testament. Every time you read New Testament, much of the uh, quotations in the New Testament of the Old Testament are from the Psalms, right? And very often, they actually point to Jesus. And it, it's no wonder that they often think of the Psalms. I don't know about you, I often remember a lot of the songs that we sing. Maybe after this whole service is over, you'll probably remember the words of the song more than you remember my sermon necessarily because, you know, some, there's something about singing the words uh, that, sears it into our, our memory and, and our, our being. Uh, in some ways, I sort of long for the good old days when we used to sing scripture and song. You know, I, I wish our songwriters, you know, if any of you out there are songwriters, consider putting a scripture back into a song so that we can sing it and, you know, uh, take it deep into our hearts. But the Psalms, uh, John Calvin, uh, one of the reformers, he said this about the Psalms. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. The Holy Spirit has here drawn to the life all the griefs and sorrows, fears, doubt, hope, hopes, cares, perplexities, in short, all the distracting emotions with which the minds of men are wont to be agitated that the Psalms express what's in our deepest longings, the realities that we face in our heart. And, you know, I wish we would uh, um, spend more time in the Psalms. If you don't do it, uh, a, a good practice is to practice uh, morning prayer. And morning prayer, oftentimes, there are readings of the Psalms that will take you right through the Psalms, all 150 of them uh, through the year, uh, several times, in fact. And it's, it's a good practice. But today, I want to look in particular at Psalm 34. And, you know, when we look at this psalm, uh, it's an interesting psalm. And I don't know if any of you in your Bibles, uh, do you all remember Bibles? 
the ones that you used to carry, <laughs> paper, hard copy. <laughs> this is a picture of my Bible. Proof to you I still have one, right? <laughs> Although I often use the electronic Bible like so many of us. You see the heading at the top of this psalm? It says, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and went away. Curious title, isn't it? Curious intro. It's actually uh, an account, uh, uh, pointing to the account found in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 to 15. Uh, and, and this term Abimelech is actually a, a, a title that was often used of Philistine kings. It, it means my father is king. You know, and it's the official title. Actually, in 1 Samuel 21, it's the story of David before Achish, who was the king of Gath, one of the uh, kingdoms in Philistia. Philistia. And David was running away from Saul. You remember, Saul was wanting to take David's life because he was threatened by David being uh, hailed as a hero. And so David thought, you know, what better place to hide than with the enemy, right, with the Philistines. And he got there, and to his horror, he was recognized. I mean, why shouldn't they recognize him? He slew their greatest champion, Goliath. You know, and they repeated the song, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. And like, oh dear, you know, what am I going to do now? And he had a brainwave. He began to pretend he was mad. Behaved like a madman, doing all things. And actually in scripture it says, he allowed his spittle to run down his beard. You know, he allowed the drool to just run down. And the king said, so what if it is? You know, he's mad. No need to worry about him. And David escaped with his life. And it is in, on this occasion that then uh, David offers up this song of thanksgiving. So you can think about it, if you were in David's shoes, you know, you were facing, you were running away from a threat, you know, it's almost like he ran uh, out of the uh, fat into the fire, right, out of the frying pan into the fire. And, and, and his relief at his deliverance is what we read here from verses 1 to 3. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. And, you know, this is praise that just issues forth from the relief, from the sheer joy of deliverance. Think about it, you know, it, in, in one sense, sometimes you get away and it, the strategy he attempted worked. It could be so easy for David to say, oh, wow, aren't I smart? You know, wasn't that a brilliant uh, a plan on my part? But David, the man after God's heart, understood that, you know, that inspiration didn't come from himself. It was God who delivered him and it issues forth in praise. You know, and, and you know, I, I don't know how many of you, as you know, I just turned 55, and at 55, you know, you get your CPF, it comes out. What are you going to do with it? And once, on the one hand, it's easy to just spend it, but then, you know, there's so many more years left of life. You want to make sure you invest it, invest it well. And as you look at investments, right, you will see that there's always this disclaimer which says on the prospectus, past performance does not guarantee future results. And, and that's true. Just because uh, a particular fund did very well in the past, it's no guarantee it's going to do well in the future. Although generally, you know, if uh, you have a good track record, you know it's well managed and chances are it should do well in the future. 
But there's no guarantees, humanly speaking. However, when it comes to God, past performance does predict future results. Past performance is a guarantee for future results because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we praise, we, you know, magnify God in our praise, it reminds us of who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. And it builds up our faith. And it helps us to face uncertain futures. So praise, thanksgiving is such an important aspect of our worship of the people of God. But then we carry on from verse 4, and it's the testimony of the community. It says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And you can imagine the fears that David was going through. But I wonder how many of us are struggling with our fears here, now, today. You know, the uh, uh, papers, the news tells us that this pandemic, as long stretch it has, it's taking its toll on the mental health of the population of the people. And many of us, I think, maybe feel that way. I certainly, uh, at certain points, really felt it. The anxieties mount, and you, you feel like, you know, are you doing the right thing? Are you making the right decisions? You, 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 you can't uh, operate as normal, and something happens. And certainly, you know, the pandemic creates uh, anxiety over our health. Right? The, the word is, even though you're vaccinated, it may not guarantee that you won't catch it. It's supposed to help um, um, mitigate the worst effects of this particular disease. And uh, just reading about the numbers, yes, it's starting to come down, but the reality is it's out there in the wild. It is endemic. It's here to stay. And you do worry about your health. Not, not to say, not, not, not even to begin to mention all the other health threats that we all face, especially someone like me getting older, you find that you know, things, uh, the use-by date has come to its end and things are starting to break down. Or your wealth. You know, the, the threat on the economy is very, very real. I know some sectors are thriving, but there are others that are really struggling. And you don't know whether your... your um, provisions will last or the threat we face the anxieties that rise from our relationships what is happening in our day-to-day -day relationships with our family but even with our uh, um, workmates our colleagues our bosses uh, the people around us not to mention our, our social circles we find that these fears grip us. It goes on in verses 5 and 6 to say, David says, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. This is the promise of future deliverance. The promise that we have a God that saves. We have a God who hears and answers. I can almost hear it, you know, some of you crying out. But pastor, I have been crying out. Pastor, I have been praying. I have asked the Lord to deliver, but I'm still where I'm at. 
You know, it feels a little bit like this uh, sketch. I think it was from the 70s. Bob Newhart, if you remember, the comedian, he had a skit. And it wasn't his Bob Newhart show, but some other uh, type of show that used to come on. And he plays a therapist. And in it, um, he uh, has a woman who comes in with this um, irrational fear uh, of being buried in a box. Uh, I'm giving it all away. You can go Google it. Bob Newhart, stop it. All right? And his therapy says, you know, I'll, I'll solve it immediately. I have a solution for you. And so she says, yes. And she gets out her notepad and she wants to write it down. And Bob Newhart looks at it and says, stop it. Just stop it. And I said, but I, uh, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. Just stop it. You know? And the whole sketch is just him telling this person who's struggling with fear, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And it's funny because you know, that's oftentimes what we try to do with our fears. And in some ways, if you look at this psalm, you may be saying to me, Pastor, this is well and good saying that I need to stop fearing and that's trusting the Lord, but I can't do anything about it. It doesn't stop because I say it should stop. You know, shouting at it doesn't solve it. But this is where verse 7 comes in and it says, uh, uh, David says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. It's kind of ironic or, you know, um, there's something going on here. In the first place, you know, David addresses the fact that we all have fears. And here he's saying the solution is to continue to fear or fear in greater uh, measure. But in this, time, in this case, fear the Lord. You know, of course, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That fearing God is the key to life. But what does it mean? Fear in this uh, biblical sense means to have great awe and reverence for God. To learn to proclaim, not just with our lips, how great is our God. That God is greater than anything. You know, and as I was preparing and I was uh, putting this sermon together, it's, it's this, the refrain from this uh, chorus, which we will sing later at the end, uh, kept coming through. And it said, it said, um, I've made you too small in my eyes. You know, uh, oh, and that I have believed in a lie that you were un unable to help me. But that's a problem all of us face. And this is where the pinnacle of the psalm is. In verse 8, in the passage we are reading, it says that, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. That we are to taste and see that God is good. Now, this psalm goes on a lot longer. Actually, the first eight verses are only the first third of the psalm. And if you were to look into the psalm, you read from verses 17 onwards, it goes like this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps 
all his bones, not one of them is broken. And if this final verse sounds familiar, it's because it's a messianic prophecy. In John's Gospel, at the crucifixion, when Jesus hung on that cross, the account is that the soldiers looked up and saw that he was dead. And the normal practice in crucifixion to ensure that the prisoner or the criminal is dead, the normal practice was for them to break the bones and uh, the thigh bone so that they cannot prop themselves up anymore and you know make sure that they uh, uh, die fully because uh, crucifixion kills you by asphyxiation, all right? It's not from blood loss or anything else, but basically your body can no longer support your lungs when you're hanging there on the cross and it crushes you and uh, it leads to death. But when he looked and he saw that Jesus wasn't dead, what he did was he took a spear and he pierced his side so that out of the side came blood and water. A sure sign that, you know, uh, the circulatory system had uh, um, stopped and Jesus was dead. But the prophecy uh, that John pointed to was this. It says, For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. It's all well and good to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. But the way we really know how God is good is when we look to the cross. You know, it's just like tapau is not good enough. You need to get it from the source, from God Himself. When we come to the foot of the cross, we see the goodness of God. That God loved us while we were still enemies, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And it is in that context He says to us, O taste and see that the Lord is good. In a moment, I'm going to end the sermon and I'm going to pray for you. But I've asked the music team to stand by to lead us in this song as a response. You know, the words of this song go like this. I have made you too small in my eyes, O Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me. But now, O Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. In my eyes and with my song, O Lord, be magnified. What are you going through in terms of your life at this moment? What struggles do you have? What troubles are you facing? May I suggest Possibly the reason your anxieties have overtaken you are because you have made God far too small in your eyes. That this lie that comes from Satan echoes in your head and in your brain telling you you are too far gone. God's never going to deliver you. Not that necessarily God is not able to, 
But maybe in your mind, you're thinking God doesn't want to. Or He's ignored you. Or maybe you're not worthy of His help and uh, uh, salvation. The Bible tells us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Which means not only is He able, He's willing. And wherever you are, let me pray for you right now. As you receive God's assurance, may the Lord give you the power, the courage, the willingness to let go, to surrender to Him. To allow the Lord who is in control of your life to direct your path. You've been struggling so hard because you're trying to control the outcome yourself. God is saying to you, let go and let God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the example of David, of how in the midst of his troubles he was delivered. And I thank you that, Lord, you are working deeply amongst us right now. Your Holy Spirit is prompting us and is calling to us. Father, we come before you and we acknowledge our sin, our sin of unbelief, of a lack of faith, of allowing our anxieties to overwhelm us. That, Lord, we have taken our eyes off you and we put our eyes on the wind and the waves on the circumstances we find ourselves in. And as a result, Lord, you have become diminished in our eyes. Magnify yourself, O God, before us this day. Be magnified in our vision. Fill our eyes, O God, with a vision of the cross. Fill our hearts, Lord, with love for your Son, Jesus. Help us to understand how great how wide, how wonderful is that love. Help us, Lord, to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We ask this in your Son's most precious name. Amen. Let's sing this chorus now as a 